the National Broadcasting Company presents Joel McRae in Tales of the Texas Rangers. From Hollywood, another authentic reenactment of a case transcribed from the files of the Texas Rangers. Starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. Texas, more than 260,000 square miles. And 50 men who make up the most famous and oldest law enforcement body in North America. the files of the Texas Rangers come these stories based on facts. Names, dates, and places are fictitious for obvious reasons. The events themselves are a matter of record. Case for tonight, Death Shaft. It is 9.30 a.m. November 18, 1941, in the Big Bend country of West Texas. J.C. Wilford of the Bureau of Mines and Fred Blaisdell are winding up a narrow dirt road toward Blaisdell's abandoned mine in Blackhawk Canyon. How long did you say it's been since you operated your mine, Mr. Blaisdell? I never have operated, Wilford. It was left me by my brother when he passed on. Oh, I see. I was understood there was ore here if you had the money to get it out, but... I didn't. So I just let her sit here. Haven't even been near the place for oh, two years anyway. But lately I've been reading that the government's anxious to get some of these mines going again. Mm-hmm. So I got in touch with you at the Bureau of Mines to see if you think it's a worthwhile proposition. Well, if it looks promising at all, we can make a thorough survey, do a little diamond drilling, and see what we've got. And then if it looks good, you think the government will loan the money to operate it? That's something I can't answer. All we at the Bureau do is make the recommendation. Hey, pretty desolate country around here, isn't it? Yeah, I see. Yeah, here we are. Oh, uh, is that the entrance to the mine ahead? Yeah, yeah, that's it. All boarded up. And padlocked. Guess my brother put that door on the entrance to the shaft when he quit working the mine. Yeah, I got my key. Funny. What's the matter, please? Key doesn't seem to fit. Well, you sure it's the right one? Yeah. Hey, this isn't the same lock on here. What? Well, there was a master padlock on here before. Now it's just a cheap one from a dime store, looks like. That's strange. Who'd want to switch locks? Why? I don't know. Somebody must have been snooping around up here. Wait. Piece iron bar line over here. See if I can find that lock on. It's a fairly new lock by the look of it. Yeah. Okay, let's open her up. Yeah, I got the flashlight. I better go first. Okay, Wilson. So wet in here. Yeah. These drifts collect a lot of moisture when the mine's not in use. Please matter, Wilson? Look, they're on the ground in front of us. Holy smoke, a skeleton. The clothes just about all rotted away. And a, a different padlock on the entrance. 
Looks like somebody didn't want this skeleton found, Wilkins. Yeah, and if you take a look at the skull, you'll see why. Hey, it's all bashed in. It sure is. The club or a rock by the look of it. Yeah. Whoever that was, looks like he was murdered. The two men notified Sheriff Benson, who requested help from the Texas Rangers. Ranger Jace Pearson was assigned to the case, joining the sheriff and two men at Blaisdell's mine. Hmm. Pretty damp, Sheriff. Sure is. You men touch anything in here? Uh, nothing, Ranger. After I pried off the new lock, we come inside. But just as soon as we saw the skeleton, we got out in a hurry and called the sheriff. Isn't that right, Wilford? Yeah, that's right, Ranger. Well, there it is, Jason. Yeah. Hmm. Skull sure is bashed in. It's pretty hard to tell how long he's been dead, Jace. Yeah, remains would deteriorate pretty fast in this dampness. And as far as telling who it is, clothes are all rotted away, so the same would go for any papers he might have been carrying. Just a minute, Sheriff. Hmm? Look. These loose rocks on the side here. Right. Looks like a leather wallet. It is. Pretty well preserved, too. Sure, sure. It was a little higher than the skeleton up out of the wet. Yeah. Pretty lucky for us. Looks that way. Any money in it? No. Just some papers. Hmm. Might have been robbery. Killer took the money, then tossed the billfold away. Can you make out the writing on any of the papers? Gilbert W. Madden. Madden? Name mean anything to you, Blaisdell? I was just trying to think. No, no, I don't don't remember ever hearing it before. How about you, Mr. Wilford? Being from the Bureau of Mines, you probably spend a lot of time around this part of the state. You ever hear the name before? Madden. Sounds a little familiar, but I, I can't seem to place it, Ranger. I'm sorry. Okay. I guess that'll be all for now. Let's get back outside. We want signed statements from you. You can drop around the sheriff's office and make them. I'll be in this afternoon if that's okay. Sure. See you then, Blaisel. Come on, Wilfred. I'll give you a lift back to town. Right. You through here, Jess? Not quite. Take this broken padlock along. I want to look at this hasp on the door. Well, I doubt if you can tell much from that. It's all scratched up where Blaisdell pried off that padlock. Yeah, I know. There's one thing sort of puzzles me a little, Sheriff. What is it? This new lock isn't rusty enough to have been out here in the open for very long. Well, what do you figure that means? I won't know until I can get some idea of the approximate time of death. Come on, let's get back to town and start checking on Gilbert Madden. See if we can find out how long ago he was murdered. Back at the sheriff's office, I checked through the missing persons reports and found one on Gilbert Madden filed by his wife eight months before. Mrs. Madden was promptly notified and requested to meet us at the sheriff's office for routine questioning. Have a seat, Ms. Madden. Thank you, Sheriff. I'm sorry to be asking questions at a time like this, ma'am. That's all right, Ranger. I don't suppose there's any doubt it was Gil. I'm afraid not, ma'am. We found his wallet, and the lab confirmed the identification by means of the teeth. Well, I've felt for some time that Gil must be dead. In a way, it's almost better knowing instead of wondering. I know. Mrs. Madden, our lab's trying to establish the time of your husband's murder. Now, according to our information, you filed this missing persons report on last March 23rd, a little less than eight months ago. That's right. 
What were the circumstances surrounding your husband's disappearance? Well, uh, Gilbert was a mine broker. He made trips in the mining country every now and then. He planned to be away for two or three weeks, so I decided to visit my relatives in Kansas while he was gone. I see. When was that? Right around the first of March, as I remember. And how long were you in Kansas? Three weeks. Did you hear from your husband during that time? Oh, yes, I did. I got a letter from him just a couple of days before I was to return home, saying he would meet my train. But he wasn't at the depot when I arrived. I called all over town trying to locate him, and then when I couldn't, I got worried. The next day, I filed a report with the police. Well, let's see. That would make it about the 20th of March when you got that last letter from your husband. That means he was alive up until the time he mailed it, anyway. Which would be about the 18th of March. Come in. I left my statement with you, Deputy Sheriff. Anything else? Oh, I reckon not. Mrs. Madden, this is Mr. Blaisdell. How do you do? Miss Madden, Mr. Blaisdell owns the mine where your husband's body was discovered. Oh. Uh, sorry to make your acquaintance under this sort of circumstance, Miss Madden. Uh, Sheriff, I'm sure you told me where this mine was over the phone when you notified me, but... What with the shock, I don't seem to remember. Oh, my mind is over in Blackhawk Canyon, Miss Madden. Blackhawk Canyon? Does that mean anything to you, Miss Madden? Oh, Willie. Who? Oh, Willie. He lives up in Blackhawk Canyon somewhere. Look, Mrs. Madden. Who is this old Willie? Well, he has a mind up there. He's a strange old man. He's very eccentric. Well, what makes you think he had anything to do with this? Because in that last letter I got from Gilbert, he mentioned something about old Willie pestering him again. I didn't pay much attention to it at the time. I still don't get the connection between your husband and this old Willie, Mrs. Madden. Well, you see, about two years ago, my husband made a business trip into that region. I went with him. This old Willie was hanging around a little store where we stopped for a cold drink. When he found out my husband was a mine broker, he became very excited. Said he had a valuable mine he wanted Gilbert to look at. Did your husband inspect Willie's mine? No, because the storekeeper broke in and told us Willie's mine was worthless. Willie became furious, and finally the storekeeper threw him out. I see. Did Willie threaten your husband, Mrs. Madden? Well, he wrote a few crazy sort of letters to Gilbert, accusing him of being a spy at what he called the big companies. Hmm. Mr. Blaisdell, have you ever heard of this old Willie? No, I haven't, but that doesn't mean anything. I'm not acquainted with anybody in that area. Jace, I sure think this old Willie is worth questioning. So do I, Sheriff. We'll head back to Blackhawk Canyon and see if we can find him. Right now, he sounds like a first-class murder suspect. In just a moment, we will continue with Tales of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. It's the Silver Jubilee on NBC. Here's great news for all of you Western fans. Beginning next Friday on most NBC stations, Roy Rogers, the King of the Cowboys, and Dale Evans, the Queen of the West, will bring you the new Roy Rogers Show. Yes, beginning next Friday, be sure to listen for Roy Rogers, Dale Evans, and Trigger in New Adventures in Paradise Valley. It's the Roy Rogers Show Friday on most NBC stations. Be sure to listen. We continue now with Tales of the Texas Rangers. And tonight's case, Death Shaft, an authentic story from the files of the Texas Rangers. As a matter of routine, I checked up on Mrs. Madden's story of her visit to relatives in Kansas and quickly confirmed the fact that she was there during the period she had stated. 
Next, Sheriff Benson and I drove to the small general store in Blackhawk Canyon and questioned the storekeeper. Oh, Willie? Sure, I know him, Ranger. Comes in here once a month regular for supplies. Crazy as a coot. Where does he live, Price? Oh, about 20 miles up the canyon. He's got a no-count mine up on East Rim. Of course, he thinks it's just chock full of ore. Mr. Price, I want you to think back about two years ago. An incident involving old Willie and a mine broker named Madden is supposed to have taken place here in your store. You remember anything about it? Sure do. Willie started giving this mine broker the usual jaw wagon about his mine being valuable. <laughs> so I figured I'd better stick my oar in and tell the fellow Willie's mine wasn't worth a dead bone cent. What happened then? Oh, Willie flew off the handle in his crazy way, started spouting a bunch of threats and other loony talk, so I finally had to kick him out of the store. Well, Jay said sure checks with what Miss Madden told us. Yeah. Mr. Price... Can you give us directions for finding Willie's place? We'd like to pay him a visit. Mm, well, pretty rough country up there. And we got horses in the trailer outside. Oh, well, in that case, you can make it all right. Uh, you'll find the trail leading north off the road up ahead about um, five miles. Uh, stick to the trail until they cross a dry creek. Uh, then you'll see another trail taken off up the side of the canyon. And the second trail leads us to Willie's mine, huh? Yep. Of course, uh, you may not find him there. Why not? pretty skitterish about visitors. That's just why I want to pay him a visit. See if he's got anything to be skitterish about. We should be just about there, Sheriff. Yeah. Our climb. Looks like we're directly across the canyon from Blaisdell's mine. Listen. Burl, must be Willie. We're close, all right. Once we get around this bend in the trail, yeah... Looks like some diggings up ahead there. And just take a look at that shack. Some place. Galvanized iron, car paper, cardboard. I wonder what keeps it up. Probably that stovepipe sticking up through the center of the roof. Yeah, it's smoking, too. Well, he must be home all right. Oh, oh, charcoal. Oh, oh, boy. Would you look at the junk he's got hanging on the outside walls? Pieces of barbed wire, tin cans, keys, bottles. Like Willie's part pack wrap. Hmm. The door's open. Nobody inside. Inside looks like the outside. Only more so. Wonder where... Hold it. Hmm? Look, over there in the bushes. Yeah. Something moved, all right. Willie! Come out of there! Willie! Hey, somebody's coming out all right. Sure don't look very friendly with that rifle. What do you fellas want? You throw that rifle down and we'll tell you. You got no call to come poking around my property. You're wrong there, Willie. This is Sheriff Benson and I'm Ranger Pearson. We want to ask you a few questions. Now drop that rifle and come over here. You think I'm going to tell you about my mind, don't you? Yeah, and I'm not. Now, just a minute, Willie. You want to get it away from me just like all the rest. You spies for them, that's what you are. You come poking around here. Trying what are you to... talking about, Willie? Spies for whom? For the big companies. They all want my mind because they know it's right smack dab on the biggest vein in the county. That's why they send spies snooping around here, like you two. I don't know, Jace. Willie... 
Have you ever been near the Blaisdell mine across the canyon from here? It's as good as this it is. Answer my question. Have you ever been near there? Maybe. How long ago? Oh, a couple of days. What were you doing over there? Patrolling. What do you mean, patrolling? Oh, I patrol all over. Gotta watch for the spies. Hmm. Ever hear the name Gilbert Madden? He ain't gonna never get my mind. All I need's a little money to operate. I ask you a question, Willie. Have you ever hear of Gilbert Madden? You heard him, Willie. Yeah, maybe I have and maybe I ain't. You fellas come up here spying just like he... Just like who? Madden? <laughs> Think you're pretty smart, don't you? But you're not going to trap me. He had his chance to get me money for the mine, but he wouldn't. That why you killed him? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you think you're going to get me confused with your smart talk, don't you? Well, you ain't. I ain't got too much on my mind patrolling to worry about kidding anybody. Yeah? I wonder. We got a witness that you had a fight with Madden. And furthermore... Just a minute, Sheriff. What is it? Just happened to notice something hanging on the outside wall here. Just a bunch of old rusty keys. Yeah. But this one isn't as rusty as the rest. Well, let me see. Jase, that key's the same make as the lock Blaisdell pried off the entrance to his mine. That's right, Sheriff. Come here, Willie. Hey, what you want? Where'd you get this key? Say, that's a good one. You want to trade some? Where'd you get it? I saved keys. Quit stalling, Willie. Where'd you get it? Coming around here asking me all kinds of questions. You got no call to... I got that padlock back in my office, Jase. I'm sure interested to see whether this key fits it. So am I. Come on, Willie. Get your burrow. We're going to take a ride. Make me come down here with you fellas... You think I'm not wise, do you? Padlock's in my desk here. You get me down here while one of your other spies snoops around my mind, takes all samples. Here it is. Let's have it. Okay, now I'll try this key in it. Fits. Sure does. Well, I guess that does it all right. Uh, can I go now? No, Willie. I don't think you'll be going anywhere for quite a spell. The sheriff booked Willie, but we were unable to get any sort of coherent statement out of him. Finally, we locked him up and went back into the sheriff's office. Well, regardless of whether or not he gives us a confession, I suppose we could get a conviction, all right? Maybe. Unless they find him mentally incompetent. Even so, they'll put him away. Yeah, that's just what I was thinking. It'd be pretty rough on him if he happened to be innocent, wouldn't it? Be... Innocent? Now, Jay. Yeah, I know. We have two witnesses to the fact that Willie threatened Gilbert Madden. That's right. Mrs. Madden and the storekeeper. But what clinches it is a padlock on Blaisdell's mind, Jase. That key we found at Willie's shack fits it. That's about as solid evidence as there is, seems to me. I wonder. What do you mean? A couple of things about this don't feel quite right to me, Sheriff. Well, what, for instance? Well, near as the lab can figure, Madden was murdered about eight months ago. That's right, last March. But the lock Blaisdell broke off the mine entrance was hardly rusty at all. And neither was the key we found hanging out in the open at Willie's shack. What's wrong with that, Jase? Willie broke off the original lock when he hid Madden's body. But Madden died eight months ago, and that second lock couldn't have been on the hasp that long. Well, maybe Willie didn't put the lock on right away. Maybe later he got to worrying about somebody discovering the body, and, well, that's when he put it on. Sheriff, 
The time you're most worried about a body being discovered is right after you've killed a man, not several months later. Sure. That's the way a sensible person would react. But remember who we're dealing with. Old Willie, who's not exactly what you'd call a sensible man. I know, Sheriff. But then there's the part about the key hanging right out in plain sight at Willie's shack. Now, Jase, you said yourself Willie was part pack rat. Remember all the other junk he had hanging around the shack? Sure I do, Sheriff. I also remember what Willie said when we showed him that key. Say, that's a good one. Just like he'd never noticed it before. What are you getting at, Jase? Maybe Willie did kill Madden, but it seems to me there's a bare chance he didn't. Then how'd he get that key? Oh, he could have found it. Or it could have been planted there. That'd be awful tough to prove either way, Jase. Sure it would. As long as it's a possibility, we're not closing the case. Come on, let's talk to Mrs. Madden and see if she can give us a line on anybody besides old Willie who might have a reason for killing her husband. We drove out to the Madden house, but Mrs. Madden was unable to give us any new information. She suggested we go through her husband's business records, which were in a spare room he'd used for an office. So the sheriff and I started in. But an hour later, the only things we found just made it look all the worse for Willie. Hmm. What do you got, Jason? Uh, a bunch of letters written on wrapping paper. Addressed to Madden. Crazy, threatening letters. Who wrote them? You guess. Willie? Yeah, Willie. Listen. You better watch out. I ain't going to let you steal my mind. Mm. That's really all right. Rest of them like that? Yeah. All six of them. Well, Jase, it looks all the worse for Willie now. We've been through just about all Madden's records and papers. These threatened letters are all we come up with. Yeah, and from the looks of it, Madden kept records of just about everything. Well, we might as well put these papers back, I guess. Okay. What do you got there? Oh, a pile of canceled checks. Hand them over, and I'll stick them here in the drawer. Okay, just thumbing through them. I guess there's nothing here. I... Hey. What is it? Sheriff, look at this check. It's dated two years ago. Hmm? Let's see. Well, what about it? It's just made out the case and signed by Madden. Yeah, but take a look at this pencil writing up in the corner. Pencil writing? Let's... Well, I'll be. So will I. Come on. Want to make an arrest? Not yet. I need more proof, and I think I know a way to get it. Just go along with whatever I say. Sure, Jace. Did you find anything that can help in Gilbert's papers, Ranger Pearson? I think we did, Mrs. Madden. You said you accompanied your husband on his business trip into the Black Hawk Canyon area two years ago. That's right. Why'd he go there? Well, just to size up the situation, find out what mines were for sale. I see. He didn't actually transact any business, though. No. Of course, this Willie wanted him to come up and see his mine, but when the storekeeper told us the mine was no good... Yeah. And you stayed right with your husband the whole trip? Yes. Okay. Thanks, ma'am. You say you found something in Gilbert's papers? Well, we don't know for sure, so I'd like to give you a receipt for these canceled checks. I want more time to examine them. Here you are. Canceled checks? Yeah. It looks like one of them's going to take the wrong man out of jail and put the right man in. Come on, Sheriff. I see. Well, I'm glad to hear it. If there's anything more I can do... We'll let you know, Mrs. Madden. Goodbye. She's lying, Jason. I got trooper. What now? We'll watch her. Have one of your deputies keep an eye on him. 
We don't want him to get away, but we don't want to pick him up yet either. Okay, I'll call my office from the drugstore. I'll wait in my car around the corner. Meet me there. The sheriff made his call and rejoined me. We sat in my car waiting. And a little after dark, Mrs. Madden's car pulled away from our house, heading out of town. We followed, keeping well back. Two miles out of town, she pulled off the highway, parked behind another car, got out and headed into the brush. The sheriff and I worked our way slowly and quietly in the direction she'd taken. Should be around here somewhere. Yeah. Keep it as quiet as possible, Sheriff. Reckon she can want you to meet him? Looks like. Listen. Yeah. I hear him talking. Look, you're not clearing ahead. Yeah, let's ease up a little. You must have overlooked something when you went through those records. No, I'm sure I didn't, Fred. I found the entry he made where you paid him for appraising your mind two years ago. I tore it out. There's nothing in those records to show the two of you knew each other. You're wrong there, ma'am. Hold it real steady, Blaisdell. Pearson. Yeah. So the two of you didn't know each other until I introduced you, huh? You've been in it together ever since you met two years ago. Clary, you little fool. You were tricked into coming out here so they could catch us together. They didn't have any proof of anything. I got proof right here in my pocket that you lied when you said you didn't know Madden, Blaisdell. Yeah, what kind of proof? Something you overlooked, Mrs. Madden. A check made out to cash. You didn't notice the pencil writing on it. Pencil writing? Your husband made a notation that the check was to cover expenses of a trip he'd made to appraise Blaisdell's mine two years ago. You told me you were with your husband the whole trip. So you lied about not knowing Blaisdell. Clara, you stupid Blaisdell. little... You gotta listen to me. I, I didn't want any part of it, but Blaisdell forced me to What's it. What's that? I'm in the clear. I was in Kansas when it happened. Blaisdell killed my husband. Oh, that's how you stick by me, is it? Why, you little... Hold it, Blaisdell. You're not going to get away free, Clara. I can guarantee that. Sure, I killed Madden Ranger, but it was her idea. That's a lie. Uh, right from the start, it was her idea. How to go about it. Put the body in my own mind and change life. He's lying, Ranger. Plant the key at Willie's shack, pretend she and I didn't know each other. Then produce the body so she could collect on the insurance. All of it was her idea. You shut up. You shut up. I'm not half finished yet. Got a weird shot on me, will you? Wait till I get through spilling. Shut up, you little one. Shut up. You know, Sheriff, strikes me we've only got one problem left. What's that, Jase? Getting them to talk slow enough so a stenographer can get it all down. Come on, both of you. Fred Blaisdell and Clara Madden were indicted and placed on trial for the brutal murder of Gilbert Madden. For her part in the crime, Clara was sentenced to 50 years in the women's prison at Gorey. On the morning of May 3rd, 1942, Blaisdell was put to death in the electric chair. Here's the star of our show, Joe McRae. Hello, folks. First of all, we want to thank you kindly for the many wonderful letters and cards we received during the summer months. It's mighty heartwarming to know we have so many good friends. As a matter of fact, the Rangers themselves have received quite a few of your letters, too. And like us, they certainly appreciated hearing from you. I'm sure that most of you will recall reading about a great Texas Ranger captain who retired from active duty on July 31st of this year. Some of our stories have been based on his exploits. He's the famous Captain M.T. Lone Wolf Gonzalez, whose favorite guns are engraved with a code he has always lived by in his colorful career. Never draw me without cause, 
nor shield me without dishonor. Tomorrow, it'll be exactly 31 years since Lone Wolf was sworn in as a Texas Ranger. And as in the past year, so in the years to come, we are proud to have him as our technical advisor. Congratulations, Cap. See you next week, folks. Next week, Joel McRae in another authentic reenactment of a case from the files of the Texas Rangers. Joel McRae is currently seen starring in the Universal International Technicolor production, Cattle Drive. The cast included Tony Barrett, Bill Johnstone, Lamont Johnson, Ken Christie, Betty Lou Gerson, and Brad Brown. Technical advisor was Captain M.T. Lone Wolf Gonzalez of the Texas Rangers. This story was transcribed and adapted by Bob Wright, and the program is produced and directed by Stacy Keith. Hal Gibney speaking. It's the Silver Jubilee on NBC. Today, hear the glittering premiere program of The Big Show, broadcast from London and featuring Sir Lawrence Olivier, Fred Allen, Beatrice Lilly, and your unpredictable hostess, Tallulah Bankhead. Then join in the fun with the Phil Harris Alice Faye Show as they launch their new comedy season. And later, Theater Guild on the Air brings you Joseph Cotton and Joan Fontaine in Main Street by Sinclair Lewis. Ladies and gentlemen, the program You Can't Take It With You, starring Walter Brennan, is now heard at a new time and day. That's Friday on most NBC stations. Stay tuned for The Big Show and Tallulah on NBC, the national broadcasting company. The national broadcasting company presents Joel McRae in Tales of the Texas Rangers. From Hollywood, another authentic reenactment of a case transcribed from the files of the Texas Rangers. Tales of the Texas Rangers, starring Joe McRae as Ranger Jake Pearson. Texas, more than 260,000 square miles. And 50 men who make up the most famous and oldest law enforcement body in North America. of the Texas Rangers come these stories based on facts. Names, dates, and places are fictitious for obvious reasons. The events themselves are a matter of record. Case for tonight, wheelchair killing. It is 8.40 p.m. May 1st, several years ago. Colby, Texas, near the edge of the great piney woods, is unusually crowded as several hundred young men from a nearby CCC camp have converged on the town to spend their monthly allowance. In the office of Sheriff Pete Saunders, the sheriff and his deputy are standing by in case any emergency should arise. Uh, uh, I don't 
know why I'm so groggy, Sheriff. Mm. Not even nine o'clock. For that tired rig, I don't think there's any need for you to stay any later. I can handle things. Why don't you go home? With all them young bloods in town? Oh, they seem to be all right. No sign of any fuss. I walked down Main Street a while ago. They were behaving. Yeah, just the same camp as new. This is the first payday they've had around here. Man can get pretty high with 30 bucks in his pocket. They don't get the whole 30 rake. They only get five of it. Government makes them send the rest home. Oh, I didn't know that. Sure, that's the whole idea. Where do I get this? Sheriff's office. Sheriff Sawyer speaking. Old man Swain's place? Yes. Yes, hurry. Go there quickly and, and bring a doctor. Why? What's the matter out there? Who is this? Well, I'm just calling, that's all. You better go right away. You better give me your name if you... Hello? Hello, hello. Hey, what's the matter? She hung up on me. Come on. Something wrong with old man Swain's place? Something plenty wrong with somebody's idea of a joke. Mile and a half out to Swain's and he hasn't got a phone. That call must have come from someplace else, then. Yeah. See if you can trace it. Then pick up Macker and Carl and follow me out to Swain. I'll get the doc on the way. Finley Swain, a victim of rheumatoid arthritis, was found dead in his dilapidated home, seated in his wheelchair. An inquest was called and an autopsy ordered. He had not died from natural causes. The sheriff called for the help of the Texas Ranger, and Ranger Jace Pearson was assigned, joining the sheriff at the funeral home. Body's in here, Jace. Uh-huh. He's a pretty old man. Presser, ain't he? Crippled up bad the last 20 years or so. Hadn't been for that phone call, I'd have figured his heart just gave out. Guess the doc would have, too. Good thing you asked for a coroner's inquest. Let me see the autopsy report. Yeah, yeah. He uh, died about eight last night. Hmm. Ruptured spleen, concussion. Doc says he was beaten to death. Hmm. Funny. No marks on the body. No, all the damage was inside. Whatever he was hit with, it didn't leave any marks on him. Length of rubber hose, maybe. Something like that wouldn't leave a mark. You find anything like that? Didn't have much chance to look, Jase. Maybe my deputies will run across something. No, I left three of them out at Swain's last night. Why three of them? I may need more than that when he gets around that the old man is dead. The place will be loaded with vultures. What do you mean? Well, it's kind of a funny thing, Jace. The old man was kind of peculiar, living off by himself in that big old house, not even a cleaning woman to help him. Started some crazy talk a long time back. Rumor got around that he had a lot of money stashed away at his place. You think there was anything to it? Nope, because I know what he was living on. Got a check for $70 every month from some insurance company. Annuity? Yeah. Too bad everybody didn't know that. Probably killed by somebody trying to force him to tell where he hid the money people think he had. That could be a motive. On the other hand, might be other reasons for killing him that we didn't know about. I doubt it, Sheriff. When a man comes into a place to kill with nothing else on his mind, he does it fast. This beating took time. Come on, I want to look at Swain's place. The Sheriff was right about the vultures. If his deputies hadn't been on guard, the house would have been a shambles. One of the deputies came inside with us. At the old man's wheelchair? Yeah, hadn't been moved. That's where we found him sitting. My lab crew will be coming in from Austin. They can dust the chair for prints while they're going over the place. Hmm. What's this on the floor? Now, where are you standing there? Yeah. I don't know. Got a little crunchy when I walked across it before, like somebody spilled some sugar. Uh, it's not 
sugar. More like white beach sand. No beach sand around this country, Jay. Just the same as what it looks like. Lab boys can tell whether it is or not. Right near the old man's chair, too. He get around much? Outside, I mean? Best of my knowledge, he'd never wheel himself further than the front porch to get the sun. How'd he get his food in? Greg can tell you that. We used to sit on the porch and flag down a passing car or truck, ask him to pick up things for him at the market. I stopped by often to get him things. <laughs> Had a red flannel shirt he'd wave. Spotted easy from the road. Let's look through the rest of the place. Hey, now wait a minute. What is it, Jay? A few more grains of sand on the floor here. More of it right on into the kitchen. Let's go out back. Well, nothing here, Jace. Just a stump field all the way back to them hills. Somebody's been out here, though. Look. Out of a shoe mark on the ground. You barely see the outline. The toe dug in deepest. Man must have been running. Only one thing wrong about the whole setup, Jace. That phone call I got was from a girl. It doesn't register as the kind of a killing that would be done by a woman. Besides, a murderer doesn't usually call in a report. Too bad you couldn't find out who made it. Well, at least we know it came from a payphone in the lobby of the Colby house. Desk didn't notice anybody, though. I see. Well, let's spread out a little, see if we can cut across any more tracks like this one. Greg, you move off to my right about five paces. All right, Jase. I'll fan out on this side. Good. Well, let's move. All right, I'm getting some light tracks over here, but the ground's too hard. They're not very clear. Well, you must be on the right trail. There's nothing at all over this way. Yeah, I'm going to blank you. Hold it. Hold it. You find some rag? Yeah. Hey, you better come here. What is it? Man's sock. <laughs> it's more than just a sock. Knotted at the middle and heavy at the toe. It's full of sand. Well, that's where those grains of sand come from. Yeah, Killer must have thrown that away while he was running, James. Huh? There's a murder weapon, Sheriff. Now all we got to do is find the person who used it. The trail behind Swain's house petered out past the stump field, and we lost all trace a mile into the thick foliage of the piney woods. I sent the sock full of sand through to the Austin lab for examination. Meanwhile, a lab crew met me at the Colby funeral home and went over Swain's body. That sock must have been the weapon, all right, Jace. Look, just combed a few grains of the sand out of the old man's hair. A little more embedded in the scalp. Impact of the blows must have forced some of it through the sock weave. Must have. That's why you found traces of it on the floor. How are you making out there? Don't know much yet, Sheriff. You checked with the other lab men out at Swain's? Yeah. Usual jumble of smeared prints. That may be a report from Austin. I'll get it. Uh, Hello? Yeah, speaking. I've had Rig okay, check it on that ahead. sand, Jace. No firm in the area handles that grade. That's funny. Right. Isn't likely the killer came from far off. Why not? Well, talk about the old man's having money stashed okay, away. Andy, it's sort of a local rumor. I'll tell him. Andy and Austin with a report from that sock. There an army camp around here anyplace? No. Uh, that sock is army issue. Oh, wait a minute. There's a new CCC camp up in the Piney Woods, Jace, about nine miles from here. Hey, they're civilian, but they get their clothes from army issue. Camps are run by army officers. More than a hundred men up there. Yeah, and a good chance that one of them is the boy we're looking for. That rumor about Swain having money has been around for a long time. If somebody from the town was going to do him, you know, they'd have done it before this. Come on, Sheriff. Let's drive up to that camp. Sure. It would be better if we could borrow a truck from someplace. Why a truck? Old Logger's Road is the only one to the camp. 
high center. Kind of rough on a passenger car. Especially one towing a horse trailer like yours. Well, I got charcoal in my trailer. Can't we cut straight through the woods on horses? It's a good idea. Save us time and a couple of miles. You got a horse at your place? Yeah, it's on the way. All right, I'll drive you out. Start from there. sheriff's horse. I unloaded charcoal from the trailer and we headed into the pining woods. As we drew near to the camp, we caught glimpses of men working in squads of four or five and finally ran across one man alone and mounted. Fell on horseback ahead there, Jace. Can you see him? Yeah. Looks like a straw boss. Moving into a clearing now. Oh, yeah. Hello! He's waiting for us. Come on, boys. Yeah, Charlie. You must be one of them fellas from the agricultural college. Understand they got four of them supervising. To have somebody who knows the woods. Most of the other camp boys are in the big cities. Yeah. You fellas looking for the camp? Oh, oh easy, boy, easy. Yeah, that's right. That's about three quarters of a mile off that way. You'll see the tents when you get over that rise. Who are you? Oh, my name's Joe Roberts, section leader. My name's Pearson. This is Sheriff Saunders. Oh, howdy, Sheriff. Hello. You uh, out here about something connected with that murder in town? How do you know about that? Wasn't around town till this morning, and you're quite a ways off. Well, Major Beck told me about it when the truck brought him out from town this morning. Oh, the Major was in town all night? Yeah. He doesn't live at the camp. He just comes out days. No place out here for his wife and daughter. Wife and daughter, huh? Anybody else out here have women folk in town? Uh, no. Why? I'm just curious. You know where the Major and his family are living in town? Well, sure, at the hotel. Colby House. That's where that phone call came from, Jase. Yeah, I know. Thanks a lot, Robert. So long. Sure. Better have a little talk with the major. You can say that again. Good boy. Go, Charlie. Come on. In just a moment, we will continue with Tales of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. It's the Silver Jubilee on NBC. Every Friday evening, there's another stirring adventure series for Western fans on the station. Yes, every Friday, NBC brings you the King of the Cowboys, Roy Rogers, with the Queen of the West, Dale Evans. Make your date for thrilling listening with the Roy Rogers Show every Friday evening at this same spot on your dial. There's action and adventure in Paradise Valley when Roy Rogers rides the airwaves, and there's also a song or two by these wonderful Western entertainers, Roy and Dale. Be sure to hear them Friday. We continue now with Tales of the Texas Rangers. And today's case, Wheelchair Killing. An authentic story from the files of the Texas Rangers. Major Beck was regular army. In his early 50s, overage in rank, a gray, embittered man. His office was a field tent at the head of the company street. So... You think that old man was killed by somebody from this camp? We've got reason to think so. Because of a sock. Socks like that have been general issued since 1917. I don't like any accusations against my command, especially accusations based on such flimsy evidence. There's something else besides the sock, Major. I notice your company's street between the tents is paved with gravel. Well, what about it? Is that gravel bedded in beach sand? You can see it around the borders, can't you? Sure, we can see it. It's the same kind of sand we found in that sock that Swain was beaten with. There's no beach sand anyplace else in this area, Major. Where'd this come from? How do I know? An advanced cadre of engineers set the camp up. Suppose the sand was trucked in with other material. Uh, all right. 
Everything you've found points to this camp. You should have expected something like this. What do you mean by that? Oh, what would I mean, Ranger? What can you expect from sidewalk bums? Bums don't work, Major. And the crews we pass seem to be working pretty hard. I have to spend my time with them. You don't. What time do your men come in from the woods? Four o'clock. All the clothing they have issued through your own supply? Yes. All listed and signed for. Good. I couldn't have lost much in a month. At four o'clock, I'd like you to call for an inspection of equipment. See if we can find somebody who's missing a sock. All sorts of equipment was missing. Shirts, extra shoes, and kits. But there was only one man who couldn't account for a pair of socks. All right, Rendazzo. In the tent. All right, all right. Look, Major, what kind of crime is it to lose a sock? There's a shortage on him or something? The ranger and sheriff will tell you. I, I thought you arranged you guys. It was just something they made up for a movie. We've been around since long before there were any movies, Rendazzo. Okay, so you're a cowboy detective. So find out who stole my socks. It'll be funny, young fellow. Look, must I ain't trying to be funny. But what are you all jumping on me, huh? I wash my socks. I hang them up to dry and one of these dewdrops puts his hooks on them. That makes it a federal case? Randazzo, a sock belonging to somebody in this camp was used to kill an old man. It was filled with sand from the company street and used as a blackjack. Hey, you mean that's how they knocked off that old nickel pencil on Lock Hill? Well, you know about that. The whole camp knows about it. What are you looking at me? The guy that picked some age up told us about it when he brought the truck back this morning. Were you in town last night? It was all in town last night. We got paid yesterday. The major let us go in on a truck. What time did you come back to camp? When everybody else come back. Trucks picked all of us up again at midnight. Same place they dumped us out of Main Street, but a corner near that hotel. The Colby House? That's the only one, ain't it? What'd you do while you were in town? Up to nine o'clock. I was having a hamburger in that place next to the bus depot. I was there from 8 till 10. Mm, you must be a slow eater. It's a long time for one hamburger. Who cared about the hamburger? I was trying to pick up the blonde behind the counter. She keeps giving me the smile with all the teeth bit. I ask her what time she gets off. She tells me 10 o'clock. So what happens? Five minutes to 10, she got a boyfriend comes to meet her. A guy eight foot tall. You know the girl he's talking about, Sheriff? Yeah, Lucille Mason. Must have been her husband met her. Her husband? How do you like that? Could she have been the one who made the phone call you got, Sheriff? Not a chance. The girl that called was a lot younger. I don't think you have any right to hold this man until you've checked on the story. We're not holding anybody, Major, until we've checked on a lot of things. All right, Randazzo, you can go. But don't leave this camp except with your work crew. Leave this camp, he says. From now on, I ain't even going to leave my tent. I should have never left Brooklyn. Major, that goes for everybody out here. Don't let them use the trucks. Keep them in camp. You better stay here to make sure. My wife and daughter are in town. Well, I can't stop you from going home. But if you do, the sheriff will have to send deputies out here to keep the men confined to the camp area. I don't want civil authorities here. I'll stay. Thanks. Come on, Sheriff. Let's get back to town. You know, Jace, I kind of got an idea. So have I. A girl's voice, young, not from around here. Is the major's daughter staying at the Colby house? I think he knows more than he's telling. That's kind of funny. No, he's all right. Probably a pretty good man. Mm-mm, he hates his men. Because they're not what he's used to. But give him credit for one thing. He doesn't want any of them involved in this. If he had the authority to do it, he'd probably take that randazzo and hang him to the highest tree. But when he thought we might take the man in, he went to bat for him. Yeah, I see what you mean. Hey, there's that fellow Roberts we met riding in. The section leader. Yeah, giving our horses water. Good for him. Your horses are kind of thirsty. Yeah, thanks for taking care of him, Roberts. That's all right. Hey, how'd you make out with Randazzo? He seems to be all right. Most of them are. (laughs) 
Major Beck doesn't like him, though. Well, that's his privilege. I guess he'd rather have some young army officers around so he could sort of handpick a son-in-law. This gal's pretty. She associate with any of the fellows here? Well, when the camp first opened, a fellow named O'Brien, a good-looking kid, better education than most of the others, he used to drive the major back and forth from town. Then, all of a sudden, he got somebody else. Put O'Brien on mess hall detail. Took him off trucks altogether. You know if O'Brien was seeing the girl? Nobody could have met her pretty often that first two weeks picking up the major. Well, the truck drivers get into town almost every day hauling supplies and things. Uh-huh. Well, thanks a lot, Roberts. Horses look like they had enough, Sheriff. Yeah. Come on, boys. So long, Roberts. So long. Get up, Chuck. Come on, boys. Come on. Well, Jase, what's our next move? Ride out of here to my car and then drive back to town. We're going to do Major Beck a favor. What kind of a favor? Just tell his daughter he won't be in town tonight. And see if you can recognize her voice. At the Colby house, we got a break. The Major's wife wasn't in, but the daughter answered when we knocked at the door of her room. Who is that? Is that you, Mother? Sounds like the voice, Jay. Good. I got a message from your father, miss. That's the voice over. Huh. What's the matter, miss? Sheriff and I can't look bad enough to make you go pale like that. Oh, I, I thought when you said you had a message, it, it, it would be somebody my father sent from camp. What did he want you to tell me? Just that he won't be in town tonight. You mind if we come in, miss? We'd like to talk to you. Well, I, I have a lot to do, and, and I, I... We only want to know where you were between, say, 7 and 9 o'clock last night. We know that you were in the phone booth in the lobby at 8.40 because that's where you called my office room. Please, please don't talk in the hall. Come in. Were you out at old man Swain's house last night? Yes. Yes, I walked out there just before 8 o'clock. What for? To meet somebody. Somebody named O'Brien? Well, he didn't have anything to do with it. Johnny liked the old man. How'd you and your boyfriend come to pick Swain's place for your meetings? Because my father or somebody might have seen us if we met in town. How'd this uh, Johnny get to know a crippled old man who never left his house? When he was driving one of the cab trucks, Mr. Swain waved to him from the porch one day. Johnny saw he was in a wheelchair and he stopped to see what was wrong. The old man wanted some things from town and after that they got to be friends. Uh, fit, Sheriff. Your deputy said Swain had flagged down a car or truck when he needed anything. All right, miss. Now, what about that meeting last night? Johnny got a lift from camp on, on the last truck in. After the early trucks came in, I started to walk out to Swain, like I always did, so so that Johnny could catch up to me on the way. On the road out of town where nobody would see us walking together. Did he catch up to you before you reached Swain's? Yes. And from when we got there and went in... We saw that the old man was slumped over in his chair. He raised his head just once and said something about not wanting to be hit again. And then he almost fell, but Johnny set him back in the chair. And then we couldn't get him to move again, and we got frightened, and, and since there was no phone, he came back to town. You both left the house together, by the front door. And... and then when we got back near town, we split up. I, I came back here to the hotel and, and called from the lobby. Well, we weren't even sure he was dead until we heard it was murder. I reckon you're going to have to come along with us. We'll send somebody out to get O'Brien. No, just a minute, Sheriff. 
Miss, where does Johnny O'Brien come from? His home. Boston. City boy all his life? Yes. Oh, now my father's going to find out we're married. Married? Yes, we were married last week. Your father's going to find out all right. But not from us, from you. I think you'd better tell him. Come on, Sheriff. We're just going to leave her? For now, come on. Chase, I know she sounded like she was telling the truth. She was telling the truth. You know anything to back that up? A few things. Whoever killed the old man bolted out the back door. One person running. Yeah? They found the old man conscious, still alive. So she says. And it fits. If the old man had died after the beating with no disturbance, the killer had spent some time looking for hidden money. He'd have moved things, left dust rings. He didn't because he had to run. That brings us back to the fellow with the missing socks. Randazzo. Yeah, he's not the one either. We're going back to the camp and talk to the men who drove those trucks in last night. We want the man who came into town on a truck and went back on foot. What we need is a missing passenger on the return trip. If there was a missing passenger. We followed somebody's trail all the way across Log Hill and into the Piney Woods. Whoever it was kept going. They wouldn't have gone that deep if they were going to cut back to the road. Uh, okay. Just somebody who'd been scared off like that would head for the camp instead of the town. Sure gives us a big bunch of suspects, though. No, it doesn't, Sheriff. What chance would a man from the city streets have if he tried to make his way to a camp nine miles deep in the piney woods? Especially on foot and at night, with no path to follow. It'd take somebody who'd spend his life in open country. Only men who fill that bill are the camp section leaders. Yeah, and the truck drivers will be able to account for them. Out of the camp, the section leaders are bosses, and nobody forgets seeing a boss. It was 2 a.m. when we reached the camp and woke the major. He led us to the truck driver's tent. One of the drivers had the answer we were looking for. He'd hauled section leader Roberts into town Saturday night, but Roberts hadn't ridden back with him. We left the tent. Roberts sleeps in the last tent. The end of this line. Alone? Yes. He's a section leader. He has a private tent. Hey, hold it a minute. Where does Randazzo sleep? The fellow was missing the sock. Mm, let me see. Uh, that tent right there. Let's wake him up first. What do you want Randazzo for, Jace? He's clear. I know it. But I want him to help us with something. We haven't got enough to make a case against Robert Stick. What's your plan? I'll tell you as soon as I get Randazzo out here. You know which bed he's in, Major? Yes, uh, first bed to the right as you go in the tent. Wait till I get him. Andazzo. Andazzo. Get up and come outside. Don't wake anybody. I can't come out without my pants. All right, slip into them. I look up. I'm being pinched, am I? No, we'll be able to make an arrest in a minute with your help. You mean you know the rat that put his hooks on that sock I was missing? That's right. Just laid me to him. I'll feed him a mouthful of knuckles. Never mind that. Just do as I say. You ready? Yeah. Now, listen carefully. Here's what you do. I gave Randazzo the plan, and we went over with him to Robert's tent, ready to jump in if the plan worked. This is the tent. All right, Randazzo. We'll be right out here. Well, you just leave that crumb to me. I hope he plays it right, Jay. Hey, Robert. Wake up, oh, you oh, crumb. What? Who, who is it? 
Who's in here? It's me, Rentasso. What are you doing in here? I'll come to talk with you. At this time of the night... Get out of here. Get back to your tent. Listen to me, you do drop. You'll talk to me right now or I'll go to town and mind talk to a ranger. What do you mean? You know what I mean, you crumb. That sock was stolen from me. I saw you take Keep it. your voice down. What? Why would I take anything from you? That's what I wanted when I saw you. That's why I didn't say nothing. Then I found out, all right. Well, you crumb. If I couldn't have told him where I was when the old man was knocked off, I'd have been a pig. I don't know what you're talking about. Don't worry. I can keep quiet. I keep real quiet. All it's going to cost you is a hundred bucks. I haven't got a hundred bucks. Oh, you're kidding. That old guy had money hidden all over the joint. Everybody knew that. But I didn't get it. I'll kill you, Ray Dazzle. You open your mouth about me and I'll beat your brains out. You're ready. Get out of my throat, you... Chase, we better get it. Yeah, come on. All right, Roberts. Let him go. Grab him, Ranger. He killed that old man. He just told me. We heard what he told you. Try these cuffs for size. He's lying about those socks. I never had better anything. shut up until you get a lawyer. You all right, Landazzo? Yeah. Yeah, sure. I'd have flattened him if you hadn't come in. Flaming Roberts is a prisoner, Major. Any objection? Mm, what objection can I have? He's not military personnel. You're the law here. Thanks. I didn't mean to hurt the old fool. If he'd only told me where the money was, I'd, I'd never... There wasn't any money, Roberts. The old man never had a dime. But everybody said that you he... You can was... save your story for your cellmates at Huntsville, Roberts. Get your clothes on. Let's go. Harlan Roberts made a full confession to the brutal murder of aged and crippled Finley Swain. And the following year, he was sentenced to Huntsville Penitentiary for the rest of his life. Joe McRae in another authentic reenactment of a case from the files of the Texas Rangers. Joe McRae is currently seen starring in the Universal International Technicolor production Cattle Drive. The cast included Tony Barrett, Bill Johnstone, Tom Tully, Mike Barrett, Frank Gerstle, and Tom McKee. Technical advisor was Captain M.T. Lone Wolf Gonzalez of the Texas Rangers. This story was transcribed and adapted by Joel Mercott, and the program was produced and directed by Stacy Keith. Hal Gibney speaking. The Silver Jubilee on NBC. Today, hear the big show broadcast from Paris and featuring such stars as Fred Allen, Josephine Baker, and your unpredictable hostess, Tallulah Bankhead. Then join in the fun with Phil Harris and Alice Fay as they bring you a half hour of mirth and music. Later, Theater Guild on the Air presents Casanova Brown with Diana Lynn, Dan Daly, and Kenny Delmar. It's The Big Show. All this and Tallulah 2 on NBC.